Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female Hi, artists. Hi, Stani. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing good. And welcome back to everyone listening. Well, um, I think you should tell everyone about your songwriting class because that is a huge opportunity for anyone who wants to um, try that out a little bit more. I know. And you want to know, I'm very happy that you asked about it because <laughs> I was absolutely going to share or ask that I could share. Please so, do. Yeah. So this is kind of a new thing I'm wanting to start doing this year is I've kind of started this new like business called Songwriting Simplified, which is essentially just online songwriting camps, songwriting workshops, songwriting courses and things like that. So this week, well, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be the following Saturday. So on February 6th, we're doing our very first like virtual camp, which I'm super excited about. So I will be like presenting on songwriting and then I have two other people one of them is another local singer-songwriter who, like, releases music. She seems really cool. And then also a producer who works professionally as a producer. He went, you know, graduated from BYU, actually, in commercial music. And then, yeah, he's been working professionally as a producer with his own studio. So he'll be presenting as well. So it'll be, like, a fun all-day event. It's, like, 10 to 4, all online of course you know if you can't be there for all of it it's going to be recorded and available to you afterwards mm. so i'm super excited about it it's 37 dollars for all day and also at the end too you'll have the opportunity to get your song get personal feedback on your song we'll listen to it all together and give you one-on-one -on -one, well personal feedback i guess it won't be one-on-one -on -one because it will still be in the group setting mm -hmm. but everyone will be able to give you feedback on your songs then you'll get specific feedback from the people hosting the event that's awesome wow yeah that's so cool this is yeah i like had this like like inkling you know of like like I think in like November I was because I've been like preparing these like courses but I was like you know it'd be more fun if it was like a live event and so this has been in like in my brain for the last couple months and now it's coming out and I'm a little horrified but I feel like it'd be really cool I just trying to figure out how to get the word out to as many people as possible so people sign up so oh that's awesome that's so exciting yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, definitely. Anyone who's um, out there who wants to learn more about songwriting or is songwriting and wants to share that, I think they should totally take that opportunity. Totally. We'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And just to give like another, uh, just a really brief breakdown of what we'll be talking about, we're going to essentially be talking about like always cultivating more ideas and kind of like overcoming writer's block, which is of course a huge thing for songwriters. Um, and then the other person will be talking about honesty and songwriting, but then also performing and performing your own songs. And then, and then Jordan, who is the producer, I mean, even if you're not a producer yet, he's essentially going to like talk about getting your songs ready for production or getting your songs to the point where you could take it to a producer and do it confidently. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much geared for any new beginning songwriter or even an aspiring songwriter who hasn't really had the chance yet to dive into it. The goal is to give it pretty much give you anything you would need to be successful, no matter where you are in that journey, whether you just need help getting ideas or if you're to the point that you want to take it to producers. Um, it's there should be something there for any of you and all of you. So that's I'm incredible. super excited about it. Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing, Sadie. Like, that's such an Thank opportunity you. for people. And, like, I'm sure such a cool, fulfilling thing for you as well to be able to, like, yeah. take these years of knowledge and, like, help out some newbies a little bit more. That's, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm, like, I love songwriting, but, like, I just love talking about songwriting. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, like, perfect. I can just set up a thing for me to just 
talk about songwriting i can just do it myself (laughs) i mean yes that's why we have a podcast talking about women in the arts and yeah that's kind of like one of those things it's like i realized like wait if i want to talk about something i can just do it Mm -hmm. like i can just talk about it and hopefully people want to listen to it so that's awesome yeah so i'm excited about it cool i mean i don't really have anything else going on i think i talked about all of my projects that i'm doing last time that's kind of just continuing Ooh, another fun thing today has been a very fun new day for me because i released the thing but then also you remember becky that we interviewed a couple episodes ago i guess at this point mm-hmm. i'm working right with her on a song right now of a cover and she sent me the first draft of it today Ooh. of her production and i'm very excited that's so, awesome yeah i probably won't release music again until the end of 2021 because i want to like do it right and like have a good plan you know mm-hmm. but this first draft made me very very excited that's so, so cool so it was a good day for me so mm-hmm. far <laughs> no that's so exciting so many cool things happening in the music world of your life i, I love know. that me too i'm like it's at about time i feel like 2020 was like the year of like planning it all and now 2021 is like okay now we're gonna do it yeah no that's awesome do it this year so that's exciting stuff i'm so happy for you thank you my friend i'm excited well we can dive into our person cool so for those who may not know it is black history month this month So um, that's a really exciting thing. And I for sure wanted to highlight um, someone in celebration of that. I told everyone last time that I was planning on doing a project soon on like female graphic designers throughout history. And I reached out to a professor who provided a list. And this lady was one of the people that he um, recommended that I make sure that I highlight. It's also exciting because this is the first graphic designer I'm covering. (laughs) Yes, and as a graphic designer. (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of fun because I definitely put this off for quite a bit of time um, just because there were so many people to cover and I got excited. But um, I'll write really quickly. I mean, I'll write. I'll say what he said really quickly about her. Um, He said she's a fantastic designer and probably the most well-known African-American designer. And he like one of his favorites. She was the top of the list, one of the people that he made sure to like point out. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, yeah. Her name is Gail Anderson. And she is a really cool lady who I am upset I didn't know more about. Um, to kind of give like a state of the arts, graphic design is a newer field. I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Technically, it's been around for a really long time. If you count like manuscript design or even like cave paintings, those are technically graphic design if you look at it because it's not necessarily fine art. Like it was communicating something and that's what graphic design is, is visual communication. Um, So even though it's been around for a really long time, it really didn't take off until um, mass production became a thing. Because if you think about how things used to be sold, um, there was only like one farmer who sold milk in the entire like county or whatever. And he was the only one that anyone knew about. And so his milk bottles and stuff didn't have to be like advertised or like Mm -hmm. there was no brands. There was no like labels on anything. It was just milk. That's what it was. Like you bought it. Yeah. And that's kind of how everything was. But with um, mass mass production being entering into the scene, things became a lot easier to produce, which made a lot more leisurely time for people, which increased the need for competition and advertising. So then there was more people who could sell milk and had more milk, and then it became like a competitive market of like, how were you going to make your milk different from other people's? And that's Mm. when, like, decorative advertising kind of entered the scene. So (laughs) to give you, like, every background. (laughs) I guess that makes sense because then it was like, no, this is my milk. Mm -hmm. And that was suddenly very important. Yes, because then people cared which milk they were getting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which is a funny thing to think about a world without labels or choice where you just have one option for milk and you don't get to choose what brand you want of anything. Um, The downside with graphic design being so commercially focused from the beginning instead of arts-based is that women weren't really um, a part of it for quite a bit longer than most other art mediums because it was so recent. If you think about like painting, it had been around for like hundreds of years and then women kind of were able to use it because it was more of like a leisurely Mm -hmm. high arts kind of situation. And that's why people like clear back, like clear back in the Renaissance were able to exist as female painters. Um, Mm -hmm. Graphic design with it so commercially focused because of sexism a lot of women weren't able to get jobs at huge commercial industries. So they weren't allowed to like do graphic design. And even the schools that allowed women to um, join, a lot of the times they didn't let them do any of the classes beyond weaving. So textile design was like a huge thing for a lot more of designers before they were allowed Mm -hmm. to actually do design. So one of the major changes of that was um, the invention of the Macintosh computer. So um, Apple kind of came in and swooped and saved the day a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm a huge fan of Apple products, um, but they have a huge um, place in the graphic design world. It's pretty much unheard of to use anything else other than an Apple computer as a graphic designer. Yeah, it's just been the staple for so long that, like, it's not really common. For like, it almost just, like, like why would you not? Kind yeah, of it's like, no, you probably need a Mac. Like, in school, my first year, all the teachers were teaching, like, the quick keys and shortcuts in the programs on the Mac. Mm. And then yeah. they would be like, oh, yeah, or you can do this <laughs> if you have something else. But, like, pretty much by now, I think everyone in my program if they have a laptop they have a macbook wow Mm -hmm. so but that's in large part because of what a big deal the invention of the macintosh computer was um Mm -hmm. the first one was released in 1984 and it kind of took the design world by storm it allowed people to create fonts for the first time completely on the computer instead of having to write it out and then like scan it in and then like um, type design used to be like a purely hand done thing and then the computer was like the afterthought part that they had to like go in and recreate Mm -hmm. it on the computer Uh, with the macintosh there was actually simple software that allowed you to design a font on the computer completely so with with macs it's like that there's software that's only available or programs that are only available on macs Mm -hmm. at that time so it's like it wouldn't make sense yeah okay okay now, of course, it's available on all of them, but at that time, it was only available on the Mac. So Got it. it was just kind of like adopted into the design curriculum almost, and that's so mm-hmm. ingrained in the culture <laughs> that it hasn't yeah. quite <laughs> left yet, which makes sense Dang. because with it only being um, 1984, it, I mean, we haven't had that long for a lot of other competitors to come in. True. Wow. That's actually, yeah, because it's like, what, 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. So graphic design is still pretty young, you know, all things yeah. considered, especially as more of like a high art form. Um, there are people now who could probably exist off of graphic design without doing any commercial work, but it's kind mm-hmm. of unheard of, and I don't really know how it would work. But we're at the yeah. point where it could happen, where you could do only gallery work. Um, but with like graphics and yeah. on the computer and stuff. It's just not super common, obviously. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like the same thing with like music production, mm-hmm. especially like with because like Logic is a music software that's only available on Macs. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like the newer art form that like it's not like in the like concert halls. Yes. DJs are. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like eventually it could kind of get to that point where like people who do electronic music could mm-hmm. be almost seen more prestigiously. But for right now, it's very much, yes. Yeah. The electronic world is not welcome in the high art world. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we're getting there, but you don't go to an art gallery and see, like, the Nike logo and then, like... But it's, like, weird to think that, like, that was, like, a designer who did that and, Mm -hmm. like, 
obviously did a very amazing job at that. Yeah. I mean, it's still being used and it's iconic. Everyone recognizes it. Same with like the McDonald arches or um, even like a Campbell soup can. That's super popular because Andy Warhol Mm -hmm. painted it. But that means he recognized it as a work of art before anyone else had. Yeah. I think it's like a cool thing of like connecting advertising and logos and brands to art because Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. It's just a more practical kind of art in a way. I mean, yeah, in a way. It's like (laughs) you'll for sure get money out of this because brands need you. Yep. Yes. So most of the women in graphic design are still alive today, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a cool, fun thing in a way that they're, like, they're yeah. still working technically um, mm-hmm. because most of them um, were kind of the new wave of computer designers, I guess you could say. Yeah. So that's kind of like the state of the arts I guess that I can give um it's kind of hard like finding what was graphic design like only 40 years ago <laughs> and yeah, everyone's like, it's like <laughs> history's uh, almost still being written <laughs> yeah. and of course like these people are still alive so a lot of like their complete legacy hasn't been written out yet um yeah. a lot of them are still like a lot of them are writing the books on design so they're creating like the new curriculum I guess you could say mm-hmm. on like what graphic design is Which is amazing and it's fantastic and there's so many women that definitely deserve a little bit more than they get. I'll speak like as a graphic designer in school, we tend to hear about the same graphic designers over and over again. Um, To put it in the words of my graphic designer history professor, there's four American designers that are prolific and are still influential in the 21st century and those four and like every designer knows these four trust me like if you make it through design school without hearing any of these names then you're at the wrong place like you're in the wrong school (laughs) yeah like it's not a good program (laughs) it's Paul Rand, Saul Bass, Milton Glaser and Paula Scher and Paula Scher is amazing and I definitely will be talking about her because she's fantastic Um, obviously she's one of the four American designers Mm -hmm. that are prolific but Gail Anderson was actually a student of hers and one oh. of her like mentees. And so it was kind of cool to see like the generation right after Paula Cher kind of taking on some of the things that Paula Cher was able to do for the design industry as a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like allow them to like trailblaze it as well. That's cool. Yes. So both Paula Cher and Gail Anderson are still alive. As for all of the men I mentioned, I think they've all passed away at this point. Paul Rand, Saul Bass, and Milton Glaser. Milton Glaser died only like two years ago. Oh, no, I think it was last year. Oh, um, okay. To put it in comparison, Milton Glaser did the I Love New York logo. Like oh, the I wow. Love, I Heart NY. Yeah, that was him. So pretty much everyone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> seen his work trust me <laughs> but you don't ever think about I the guess it's like did that yeah it's like almost like I didn't even really think an artist did that mm-hmm. but like yeah an artist did do that and like that font is like yep. iconic yeah and then Paul Rand actually designed the logo for ABC um oh. which is still in use um he also yeah. did IBM which is super famous but not a lot of people actually know what IBM is Um, The computers, right? Yeah, they did computer programming. A couple of other people, uh, he did Ford's logo. Um, He did an earlier Yale logo. So that's him. And then Saul Bass. I just want people to understand, like, how famous these people are because (laughs) a lot of the times, like, it's hard to explain. Um, Saul Bass pretty much invented the opening sequences to movies. You know when you're, like, a title sequence. When you turn on a show yeah. and it has, like, an animated scene with, like... Like, for the production company or whatever? Yeah, kind of. And it's, like, saying the names of the actors and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of one that everyone's seen. Catch Me If You Can has a really good one, if anyone's seen that. Where the people are, like, stepping through and stuff. Um, we owe that whole phenomenon of, like, an animated graphic kind of thing at the beginning of a movie mm-hmm. to Saul Bass. Wow. Like, completely. He did Anatomy of a Murder, which is, like, a super famous 
movie um Mm -hmm. he did a title sequence for them with like cutouts and it's so cool because he did it without a computer at that time so it was like paper and he like had to move it around and film it which is a whole other level of skill and he also did movie posters so he's done movie posters for like the shining and west side story and a bunch of others whoa yeah (laughs) and i just looked up what paula share did like (laughs) what the oh my gosh paula share is insanely talented like it just Oh, blows my mind her most famous famous work is probably for public theater in new york she's uh-huh. worked with them forever um she did all of their posters for their shows and she still oversees a lot of their work today mm-hmm. and then she's also done like cnn and city bank and new york city ballet and literally so many iconic well, that's things. what i was like wait a minute like the cnn logo yeah like it's again of like I guess I knew an artist did that, but like, <laughs> what the? Yeah, she did. She do Shake Shack. Yes, and she did Whoa. Windows Eight, like the little switching the old Windows flag to like the straight line one. I feel so like this is like opening a whole new like world of like whoa okay that's yeah cool. if anyone ever wants to dive into graphic design it's really cool just start looking up who actually designed logos and you'll be. Uh-huh very surprised it's really cool so obviously these people are all like famous right in the design world this is like the celebrities of the design world like the taylor swift's justin bieber's and like harry styles like these are iconic and i love that gail anderson was the student of paula share so she's literally like right there um Mm -hmm. which is insane i'm trying to think of like what a good comparison to that would be but i don't not a lot of music people like mentor each other i i can't that's okay it's literally just like the next generation down from like the most iconic designers of all time yeah which is really cool so even though they're not that far apart in age like i said they're both still alive so (laughs) yeah yeah so to kind of dive into her now that we have a very long background on graphic design sorry everyone (laughs) no that's so cool though yeah i could literally talk about it forever it's a fun thing that i wish more people knew more about because it's so fun like you said you could talk about um songwriting forever i could sit and talk about graphic design graphic design (laughs) yep (laughs) which is good because it means we're in the right careers yes true um i saw this fun little excerpt that i want to read like right before and it was above a newspaper article and it said how does one introduce gail anderson she's been awarded two lifetime achievement awards from cooper hewitt national design awards and aiga owns 300 plus salt and pepper shakers is the author (laughs) or co-author of 16 different books and lives in a home whose color palette was chosen by melton glazer so if you remember Milton Glaser is like one of the top celebrities and he chose the color palette for her house so (laughs) that kind of shows like (laughs) how well she knew a lot of these people so Gail Anderson was born in 1962 which means like right now she's around 58 59 and her family she she was born in New York Um, in the Bronx and her family actually migrated there from Jamaica so she was a first generation American and actually ended up being a first generation college educated student in her family as well so very cool for her she said her memories of the neighborhood I grew up in defy the stereotype of a crime-ridden slum there were trees and houses with driveways and kids on bikes my parents are from Jamaica so I'm a first generation American and first generation college educated as well so that was kind of cool to hear her talk about how it wasn't really like a crime-ridden crime slum in the yeah. Bronx. Like it was just a nice neighborhood. No, I feel like there's a lot of like people here like that in the city and they're like, oh, and it's like, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Just shut up. It's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, it's like, kind of like that. She was like, no, it's not a stereotype. It was a beautiful neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, like I know what you're thinking now. Stop. <laughs> So she also said she drew a lot as a kid on magic slates, which I'm guessing is probably like a magna doodle kind of. Um, Oh, yeah. My dad's shirt cardboard from the laundry, oak tag, and in many, many sketchbooks. I made Elton John posters and little Partridge Family and Jackson 5 magazines collaging together images from Speck and 16 magazines. 
Um, she would write headlines and stories, glue in cutouts from other magazines, and add what she said, lots of bad typography along with my equally bad drawings, <laughs> which was very cool. Um, she definitely talked a lot about how magazines influenced her like early life mm-hmm. and led her to a career in design. And her teacher in high school actually really like nurtured and fostered this art um, mind within her. Um, she gave her a book about the School of Visual Arts and it was called Career in Visual Arts. And after yeah. that, she was like, okay, I want to be a commercial artist, which at that time mm-hmm. was a graphic designer. And so her teacher actually told her to uh, take some weekend drawing classes and set it up so she could take those classes at Pratt University, which mm-hmm. is by far one of the best art universities in the country so (laughs) very cool that her teacher did that for her and then her teacher also was like hey you should apply to the school of visual arts and so she did she also helped her participate in competition competitions and exhibitions loaned books and was like you really need to go to school for art wow yeah and so she did she said she also made her decision based on a quote by paul davis he's a graphic artist he's done a lot of famous portraits Oh, Um, cool. Which is cool. It's kind of hard because he paints, but he does a lot of typography. So that's why I was like, I don't know technically what his title is. A lot of the times graphic designers tend to do both. Like a lot of (laughs) different things. Yeah. They're like, oh, I paint and I write and I do this and I do that. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) All right. So you're just an artist. (laughs) Yeah. So Paul Davis is technically a graphic designer, but he's a very accomplished painter as well and he had a quote that said to be good is not enough when you dream of being great and years later she actually got to tell paul in person that that quote pushed her to apply for the school of visual arts and he she said he looked at her like she was crazy (laughs) (laughs) um he also ended up doing a portrait of her which i'll have to post it's absolutely stunning beautiful work and After looking at the portrait, she quoted and said, for the first time in my life, I actually can't stop looking at myself, which I thought was very cute. Um, But how cool is it that like one of her idols that quoted something that pushed her to go to art school actually ended up doing a portrait of her and she got to meet him. I know. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. It's like Taylor Swift writing a song about me. Right? <laughs> like, 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 that's probably ah. the equivalent. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And it's so cool to see in her career how many of, like, her design idols she got to meet, which yeah. is just insane. Like, if I could even, like, meet any of these people, like, even her, I would, like, die. It would be. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. A lot of people like to ask her about what it was like growing up as a minority, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And to that, she kind of has commented in, here's a quote from her. She said, I was not a cool kid from the city living in the East Village like most of my young colleagues right out of school. I was a dopey kid living with her parents in the Bronx. My hipness factor was extremely low. I didn't encounter any real issues as a minority, though I was always the one people called on for another, in quotes, point of view. That caused me a good deal of eye rolling when I was younger, but it is something I've grown accustomed to in my dotage. So kind of from what I gathered, she didn't really feel like she experienced any racism growing up to an extreme, Mm -hmm. just kind of was called on to be like the, oh, we could have another set of eyes looking at this. Kind of like, oh, we need your perspective as like a minority, Mm -hmm. Um, which obviously she said she got used to, but it just caused a lot of eye rolling. So that was kind of um, nice to see in a way because a lot of the black and African-American people we've covered have been a little bit more affected by racism. More directly. And I think this speaks a lot to like the time period. Obviously, she graduated from the School of Visual Arts with a BFA in 1984. So, yes, racism is still a thing. It still exists. But it's good to see that, like, the country had progressed enough that, like, it wasn't something she felt like she experienced every single day in her life. Well, especially if we compare it to, like, Augusta Savage. Yes, exactly. So, very, very cool. And I think it helped that the design world was kind of opening up because of the invention of a lot Mm -hmm. of new technology. The bars that used to be there on industries just weren't really there anymore. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that that made it a great place for more minority groups to kind of come in and be a part of that. Well, I also wonder, because it's like, remember when you were talking about ballet with Misty Copeland, how it's like that art form has existed, how it has existed for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So breaking into a like the way something has always been, because there's always going to be those purists and those like elitists who are like, want to preserve what the art form has always been but with graphic design like with it coming with the with the technology like it's almost like I feel like that art form recognize would have to recognize yes you know that like Mm -hmm. new is good and I think a lot of art forms kind of get stuck in new is bad yeah you know no definitely it's kind of funny if you brought that up there is a lot of people when the Macintosh was invented that were very purist in the idea yeah. of sticking with traditional hand-to-done graphic design. Mm, and okay. that had to die so fast because if they wouldn't have progressed and moved on, it would have died completely as an art form. Like yeah. <laughs> graphic design, we're at the point where it cannot exist without a computer. Well, and also like it would take so much longer. Why would you? you yeah, know? exactly. Like, that would, that's stupid. <laughs> it's literally like if... I'm trying to think of like a really good comparison. If book printing presses, if people were like, yeah. no, we have to handwrite all of books still. Like because of the purest sort of pure yeah. purity of the art form or whatever. The printing industry wouldn't exist. Like it yeah. just wouldn't be able to be what it is today. Um, nobody would be able to like, like literally anyone can sit down and write a book nowadays. That wouldn't be a thing. It's like it kind of goes back to like making art more accessible, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like people push back against it because it's like they want it to be a hard thing to attain. And I don't like that attitude. Like, yeah, like (laughs) art forms should be. And with technology, like with printing, like you said, anyone who has a computer or even access to a computer who could go to a library, you know, Mm -hmm. they can write a book. They can design something. Mm -hmm. And Man, obviously this is totally separate from Gail in this episode, but that just really annoys me when people <laughs> are super like, nope, this is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ugh. anyways. No, I hate it too. It's really irritating at times and it's hard as well um, being in graphic design and seeing like the higher art industries kind of still look down on commercial design yeah when technically commissions are what made art exist as long as it has like totally Michelangelo didn't paint the Sistine Chapel for fun he did it because he was paid (laughs) honestly wow that's yes great point and and it's funny that the same thing happens in music because Mm -hmm. it's like when I went to school you know I was both involved in the classical opera program and the commercial Mm -hmm. and granted in my like my, both sides professors were very respectful and like professional like of each art thing but I feel like in the students there was a little bit more of like well I do the hard thing and it's like no 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 like they're writing pop music <laughs> like it's different yeah and and like singing opera versus singing pop like it it's very different and obviously singing opera is very difficult mm-hmm. but that doesn't make singing pop easy you know so just interesting how people can be so I know just like that you know people need to realize and I wish this was kind of spoken about more um creating something that everyone will like and appeals to everybody is a lot harder than creating something that only a few people like which is like logos Mm -hmm. with graphic design and then like pop songs yeah like that is a very that's an art form to create something that can be universal yet like still come from you yeah you know because the thing with graphic design like part of what makes it so hard is you're not only trying to communicate to the 100 year old lady you're trying to communicate to the five-year-old child and And it has to be something that they can both recognize yeah and pop music does the same thing it's popular because it's supposed to be mass appealing like Mm -hmm. I feel like we get stuck in our heads that everyone needs to be unique and into different things and that's cool and that's awesome but like how cool is it that everyone knows certain songs because everyone totally. like it appeals to everybody and how cool is it that all across the world someone can see the nike logo or the golden arches of mcdonald's and know instantly what, know that, what that means is. yeah you're right yeah like it's like also like i feel like it's so unifying like among mm-hmm. cultures you know like it like bridges gaps like not to like get very like <laughs> 
peace and love in the world but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you said like no matter where you are in the world people can recognize the same songs the same logos Mm -hmm. and that's that's cool yes no exactly getting paid a lot for an art form does not make it cheap no it does not (laughs) that makes it really really expensive it makes it really really expensive (laughs) so no i could definitely we could do a whole episode on this yeah i know i'm like meanwhile gail anderson yeah back to her though We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our... Okay, everyone. Um, this is our nice little moment where we take some time to spotlight some artists. Um, I wanted to do a graphic designer today because, you know, this episode and that's fun and I follow a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I chose Jennifer Sterling Design. Um, she has like very different graphic design and probably not what you think of when you think of graphic design. Um, if you check out her profile, she's been doing a lot of, like, really interesting, fun stuff. A lot of things with, like, motion and kind of, like, abstract graphic design, which is, like, a fun mm. thing that has kind of been on the rise of popularity lately. So kind of very cool and fun. I used her as inspiration for a project I did last year because um, she does a lot of, like, crazy type and, like, very deconstructed sort mm-hmm. of stuff and, like lots of cool shapes and everything so um, I think she would be a great inspiration if you're looking for like maybe something different to do with art in general Mm -hmm. Um, she has really different fun things so check her out it's Jennifer Sterling Design on Instagram and she also has a website that's really cool so she's been doing like a lot of videos which is kind of fun because then her stuff like moves on top of Oh, yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. This is cool. It's really awesome. Okay. Well, the person that I'm going to be spotlighting is actually like a music blog. Um, and so what it's called is The New Nine. Um, and on Instagram, it's The New Nine and then the number nine. Okay. And essentially, so their Instagram bio is representing the fangirls, interviews, playlists, concerts, takeover, probably where you'll find your new obsession. And I actually found them on my personal TikTok. Um, I was, of course, you know, just scrolling through my For You page and they and one of her videos pulled up. And so, yeah, followed her on Instagram and on, of course, TikTok. And I really like what she does on TikTok because she does a lot of videos spotlighting um, like women you maybe haven't heard of in the music industry that actually Mm -hmm. were really influential. And, you know, it's very much... um, I mean, for one, a woman created it and runs it and they highlight a lot of success of women artists and musicians on there. And, you know, like she said, it's for the fangirls. So there's and of course, if you've listened to our fangirls episode, Mm -hmm. we are all about supporting the fangirls. So if you're looking to stay up on, you know, music and also she has a playlist that she updates every week, I believe, um, with just new music. Um, It's a I've listened to it the last week or two. Um, It's been a fun place to find new songs. I feel like me and her would have very similar taste in music. So yeah, go check it out. Again, that's the new nine nine on Instagram. And like I said, you can also check her out on TikTok. She also has a lot of informative, cool videos about women in the music world. Well, cool. And of course, um, if you yourself are an artist and you would love to be spotlighted or you know someone who is, send us their information or your information so that we can add you. And yes. we're always looking for more people to follow and to spotlight. So, yeah. All right, now back to the show. It actually was cool. So when she was in college at the School of Visual Arts, she was actually taught by Paula Share briefly there. And cool. kind of the cool thing about a lot of these graphic designers is they went on to teach and not even in like full teaching positions a lot of the times, but they'd end up with like, a guest lecturer position or like an adjunct professor which I think Mm -hmm. is extremely important to the design career and I know that the ones that I have had have been amazing um yeah because nobody knows the industry better than those who are still working in it and um when asked what her favorite designer is to this day she still says Paula Cher she also Paula Cher is known for some hand-painted maps that she's done like I said Mm -hmm. graphic designers kind of dabble in everything um, and so she said, Paula Cher's ever-evolving career is astounding, and don't get me started on those amazing maps. She's been my design hero since college, and my admiration has only grown over the years. 
And I can second that. Like Polisher is an icon in graphic design. <laughs> like if I could even have like a fourth of the career that she's had, like <laughs> I will count Great. myself extremely lucky. So very cool. Upon graduating, Anderson worked as a designer at Vintage Books, which is also Random House Books. So mm. a pretty big publish- publishing company. And then she worked at the Boston Globe Sunday Magazine from 1985 to 1987. So for cool. a few years there. And then in 1987, she actually um, went from her little homemade magazines that she made as a kid to Rolling Stone. No way. Mm-hmm. And she worked for Rolling Stone for 15 years and then continued on bi-weekly. So she would come in every so often. Um, mm-hmm. She served as, a, well, she started as a designer and then ended up as an associate art director and then a deputy art director and then finally the magazine senior art director. So wow! up until 2002, she worked at Rolling Stone and did a lot of very iconic work for them that I'll have to post some of. And then in 2002, she became a creative director at Spotco, which is an agency specializing in advertising for the arts and entertainment. So they do a lot of mm-hmm. Broadway work, actually, because every Broadway playbill is done by a graphic designer. Just so everyone yeah. knows. <laughs> and she stayed there until 2010. And then um, she's currently a partner at Anderson Newton Design with Joe Newton. So she has her own um, design company with her friend. And they work on whatever they want at this point. Because once you reach her level, people approach you instead of you approaching them. And you can pretty much do whatever you want. (laughs) Which is how they all ended up. (laughs) That's kind of the goal as graphic designers to get to the point where people approach you. And you don't have to like bust your butt to get jobs at all anymore. They just come to you and you get paid as much as you want. And totally like people are dying to work with you. So she still specializes in creating theatrical advertising for Broadway productions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a lot of her work. Um, She has received tons of awards, obviously. She received awards from the Society of Publication Designers, the Type Directors Club, AIGI, which is the American, I don't remember what the I stands for. I say it all the time. And I'm like, what does it stand for again? Like, wait a minute. To like put it, Briefly, AIGI is pretty much the biggest design organization in mm-hmm. the United States. Okay, it stands for American Institute of Graphic Art. It's a really big deal. They give out like a bunch of awards and do shows. Um, they have a branch in every single state in the country. It's been around for a really long time. Okay. So it's a really big deal to get an award from them. And she has them as well as the Art Directors Club, Graphic Communication Arts and Print. And she's also in the permanent collections of the Cooper, Hewitt, and then National Design Museum and the Library of Congress. So she's been everywhere um, and done a lot. She actually is a faculty member at the School of Visual Arts in the designer and author department. So she teaches Mm -hmm. in the grad program primarily, which is really cool. But she also does some undergraduate and pre-college courses in graphic design as well. So like I said, they kind of jump into teaching at some point. She definitely did that at her alma mater, which is very cool. Yeah. And has served on Advisory Beard for Adobe Partners by Design and the Society of Publication Designers, as well as the Type Directors Club and the Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee for the U.S. Postal Service. And kind of jumping into that, I talked about the Library of Congress and now the U.S. Postal Service. Um... Anderson actually designed the 2013 Emancipation Proclamation U.S. postage stamp. Oh, cool. Which is very cool. Actually, a quote from her that I thought was awesome. She said um, to the question of what work are you most proud of, she said, Mm -hmm. it's hard to deny that the Rolling Stone work has defined my career, but I'm also really proud of the subway posters I've done. Ultimately, though, it's the smallest thing I've ever done the postage stamp commemorating the 150th anniversary of the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation that is the singular project that makes me the proudest. I mean, I got to design a postage stamp. (laughs) And that is a really cool thing, um, especially for something as big as that, the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, And I love that they reached out to her to do it instead of (laughs) somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
So very, very cool that she got to do that. And now as her position in the stamp advisory committee, basically mm. they decide what postage stamps get created and printed. That's cool. Yeah, which is cool. And another thing that people probably don't think about that much, that your little postage stamps also has to be designed. To be designed. <laughs> yeah, which makes a lot more sense why people collect stamps when you think about the fact that they're a tiny little work of art. Yeah. And that there's like exclusive ones. Yes, definitely. And like new released ones or whatever. Yes. And a fun little thing about her stamp, um, it sold 50 million copies and it also became a clue on Jeopardy, which would be such a cool thing. Can you imagine being a clue on Jeopardy? You're like, wait a minute. I did that. Yeah. (laughs) like That's just a fun little thing um, that I love. Uh, she's also co-written, like I said, 16 different books on graphic design, um, which is crazy and is often featured in magazines as well for different writings on design. Some other work that she's done um, in the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton actually commissioned a bunch of different artists to participate in a 45 button project. And so basically Mm. she asked 45 different designers to create different campaign buttons for her. Um, Paula Cher was a contributor as well as a bunch of others. And Gail Anderson was one of those, which is very cool. And I would highly recommend everyone looking up that project. It's actually really amazing. Um, They're all Mm -hmm. so very different. It's really cool. Another thing that she did, she worked with an illustrator, Terry Allen, and created a poster series inspired by a quote from President Barack Obama's inaugural address. And mm-hmm. that was on subway platforms and um, said to have inspired a lot of commuters as they came back and forth from work. So she's done a lot of like political or like um, they consider it like institutional design, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I think that was spurred on by her postage stamp, which is awesome. Yeah, can you imagine like Rolling Stone and then you're doing stuff for like the president and presidential candidate yeah. <laughs> that's what like i it's like this cool way that like graphic design is so a part of so many industries you mm-hmm. know and like presents itself in so many different ways oh yeah it's everywhere it's way further reaching than a lot of people even think about yeah which is awesome like even like broadway posters and it's cool yep. that it's like sh- you can be involved <laughs> in so many different entertainment mm-hmm. you know entertainment worlds or whatever like rolling stones is obviously rock music pop music just current music and then broadway yeah but like they both <laughs> need graphic designers mm-hmm. yeah cool. graphic design is really cool it doesn't really have like a limit like every company yeah. needs one and so you end up doing like the craziest different things across your career yeah which is awesome. Highly recommend if anyone out there is considering being a graphic designer. <laughs> yeah, like you it. can be an artist, <laughs> but then also like do so many different things if you'd want to. Yes. And it's so fun. Oh yeah. man, it's really fun. Um her philosophy for like type and graphic design is the process has to be fun and you need to be willing to step outside your comfort zone. Which I love. love I love that she focuses on the process has to be fun. That's true. If you're not having fun with it, then it's probably going to be boring. Yeah. Well, I I just went to her website and like it shows all of her different design things. And it's like, whoa, like there's just so many cool things. And the funny thing is, is like the Broadway posters. I like recognize some of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen that like so it's like crazy to like look at something and be like oh I've seen that before and then now I know who designed it Mm -hmm. yeah definitely like google her name and then check out a lot of this stuff and I'm sure some of it will look familiar to you (laughs) yeah because she's done like some really cool things she did ragtime the musical yeah a lot of her rolling stone stuff is amazing Mm-hmm. Um, I don't read Rolling Stone, but <laughs> but it's still super cool. Super, all the stuff she super did with cool. That. And she's received a lot of awards for that. Her little stamp, I love. Yes, I do too. Just so cool. She definitely like knows what she's doing. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course she does, because she got this far. 
another like fun things about her she's like a self-proclaimed hoarder um and she says she has more design books than any sane person should own in a small manhattan apartment (laughs) (laughs) and kind of a cool thing about her actually she doesn't use the internet for ideas um oh really yeah she says i don't get the same kick from looking at images on a screen though it would save me a lot of money and space if i could get past that block Perhaps it's, a, perhaps it's a factor of age, but it's just not the same as holding an actual book or admiring a real poster. Which I thought was oh. kind of a cool way to look at it, especially because... So it's almost like she'll try and get out in the world or yes. look at books. Like graphic design and print are still so very intertwined. And so mm-hmm. it, it was kind of cool to hear her talk about like looking at the actual materials instead of just the signs. Yeah. Um, like... I can understand the appeal. Like, that's really cool. Um, She also owns over 300 pairs of salt and pepper shakers, stacks of Fiesta wear, a handsome bottle cap collection, which there are pictures of online. Uh, No way. Yeah. (laughs) And when you Google her, uh, her bottle cap collection will come up. And not because she designed bottle caps, but because she collects them. (laughs) And she has a lot of them. Okay, because I wondered, because when I first Googled her, like, all these, like, pictures of bottle caps came up. (laughs) So I was like, I wonder if she designed them or why those were sound. Like, I just could not figure out why they were there. she collects them. That's why. That's cool. Yeah. But it's a really cool collection. Um, Yeah. And then she also has a wall full of Mexican crosses. And a modest group of cast iron toys. <laughs> That's awesome. Which I thought was really funny and cool. Mm-hmm. I love that she like has this small Manhattan apartment. And it's just like stuffed with design books, salt and pepper shakers and bottle caps. Like, <laughs> like that feels right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that just sounds really fun and cool. I bet her house is awesome. Especially with a yeah. color palette picked by Milton Glazer. Like what the heck. For real. Yeah. So, like I said, she ha- still has a lot of, like, advisory positions and, like, a lot of awards. She got a National Design Award Lifetime Achievement Accolade, which is very cool. That was in 2018, and she was actually the first um, woman of color, and it was the first year that women of color were awarded at all. Wow. So, that's kind of cool. And then um, she was the first African-American winner for that Lifetime Achievement Award. So not only, like, the first African-American woman, but the first African-American winner. Even though her family's not from Africa, so Jamaican-American. She was also only the third woman to win in the award in its 19-year history. So that's pretty crazy as well that, like, she's only one of three. And kind of shows that the design industry is still struggling with diversity. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, which I've talked to a little bit with only male professors and everything. Like, we're still working on it. Actually, to that note, she spoke a little bit more about being a woman of color and said, I've been designing for over 30 years now, and I've worked with very few designers of color. That's just crazy, especially here in New York. I wish we didn't mm-hmm. have to talk about this stuff in 2019 to have to make an effort to be diverse, but that's still the reality of our business. There are resources out there and consultants to help if you're willing to acknowledge the need for an office or studio that reflects a variety of voices and experiences. I hope that in a decade, employers won't need outside help, but we're just not there yet. And then her advice that she wanted to share for studios that want to encourage diversity She said, when you make that diverse hire, remember that person is not the spokesperson for an entire gender, race, ethnicity, etc. I've been that Mm. person and my eyes can't roll back further in my head than they already have several times when I'm told we want to know what you think because, well, you know. (laughs) And remember that a diverse hire isn't a lesser hire. That person really is the best person for the job. Don't ever make people think, feel like the bar was lowered to accommodate them. That's often in the back of our minds, and we're always working twice as hard to erase that perception. We shouldn't have to wonder if we were hired just because in 2019, or even partly because, but it shouldn't be so difficult to find top-notch diverse hires in our industry at this point either. It's a constant frustration. And I thought that was like a really cool thing, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the climate that we're in now and diversity being such um, more of a focus. I think that's a cool way to look at it, that it's like don't make anyone feel like they were hired just because I know Mm -hmm. that like sometimes as women there is like that a little bit of wonder sometimes if they're doing it just for the numbers 
mm-hmm. um, to make sure that they were hiring a woman. And I think it's an important thing to remember that, like, like she said, it shouldn't be so difficult to find top-notch diverse hires in our industry at this point. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. Like, it shouldn't be that difficult. Well, and I also like just the point how she said, like, I'm not the spokesperson for everyone, you know, who, like, looks like her. Mm-hmm. Like, just because she's a, a black woman, you know, doesn't mean she get she can or wants to speak on behalf of all of them you know and like that's a lot to put on one person exactly yeah and especially like because she talked about how she didn't have like the crazy urban childhood that's so stereotyped like she doesn't want to be like the vocal person like the vocal spokesperson for like the whole generation of black Americans that grew up in her generation. And she shouldn't have to, like, I don't want to be the spokesperson for every white kid in Utah. That's stupid. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Well, and I also think kind of like how it almost like reinforces stereotypes too, because it's like, if you go to her and you're like, Oh, so what was it like being a child in the Bronx? And she's like, it was a lovely neighborhood. Like I had a great childhood, you know, Mm -hmm. like it puts on a lot and like kind of shows that there would still be those stereotypes of like, of what people would assume about her Mm -hmm. because of what she does look like. Yes. And like, yeah, like you can't, you can't do that. Like you can ask what her, you know, personal experiences are, but like, don't ask her to be the voice or don't ask anyone to be the voice of their entire demographic. Yeah. I know some things that have kind of happened recently is a lot of people have a hard time recognizing her race in general. Um, My Mm. teacher did point this out. She has very light skin. Yeah. Um, She's obviously, she's Jamaican still. It doesn't change her ethnicity. Mm -hmm. But if you look up a photo of her, she's not as like dark as you would typically expect so I think that's a hard part too is that she doesn't necessarily fit the stereotype of what people imagine with like a black Jamaican woman yeah either and so like first generation American with her family coming over from Jamaica yeah exactly so I think um that's a really important thing as well is that just because someone doesn't fit the stereotype of what you Mm -hmm. expect doesn't mean that they're any less worthy of like recognition for what they do so that's kind of a cool thing a few quotes by her her advice to people that want to be designers is be the first one in the office in the morning and the last one to leave at night never send an angry email and read malcolm gladwell's outliers (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was a fun I like that that's like practical advice though yeah (laughs) and especially like the never send an angry email Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah that's that's good advice (laughs) right like never do it um she also talked a lot about collaboration and how she's considered herself very fortunate to have collaborated with great people over the course of her career um Mm -hmm. she is a self-declared quiet person which I love Um, and she says collaboration takes some of the pressure off as well. And it's never about you in the end. Designers solve problems, engage readers and help create or market products. Unless it's personal work, design is outward facing. It's for and about other people. So collaborating, collaborating seems quite natural and in the end more fun too. And I love that. I especially love that she focuses on the fact that design is outward facing. That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're creating for people, not for yourself most of the time. And then another quote, as I've gotten older, I have begun to shift my focus to my legacy and reflecting on what I've given to others. I want to surround myself with people who want to do and be the best they can, not for the sake of awards or followers or likes. She's a very wise, you can tell on everything she says. Mm -hmm. And just a very cool lady. And she has 16 books. (laughs) Uh, Which now I'm like, man, (laughs) I need to own some of them. Um, Let's see. I can list off a few of the titles. Outside the Box, American Type Play, The Designer's Guide to Astounding Photoshop Effects, Graphic Wit, The Art and Humor in Design, New Modernist Type, New Ornamental Type, Decorative Lettering in the Digital Age, New Vintage Type, Classic Fonts for the Digital Age, The Savage Mirror, The Art of Contemporary Caricature, and Typographic Universe. So that's just, I think, a few of them. But we'll definitely put all these on our book list. Um, So if you're like me and you want to start buying a couple of them, you totally can. 
I just think she's awesome. I'm excited that I can add her now to like another female graphic designer that I can look up to. And now I feel like I just learned so much about graphic design too. <laughs> I think that's why I've put off doing an episode on a graphic designer because I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to stop talking? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the state of the arts, I like didn't even have to research that much because I was like, okay, what time period? And then I was like, okay, cool. Because literally with the entire industry being in such a short amount of time, yeah. there's like not a whole lot of history to talk about other than what yeah (laughs) has happened recently i'm excited i'm really excited about my project on female graphic designers too yeah i'm very excited about that as well yeah like it'll be awesome to be able to dive in i'm excited to find more people like gail anderson and paula share that i don't know enough about because all we talk about are those four major ones (laughs) yeah i know well and it's cool because it's like there are so many other that are like right underneath the surface Mm -hmm. You know, but then it's like when you look at the stuff they've done, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and yeah. like, like she's worked for Broadway. She's worked for Rolling Stone, like brands that obviously, you know, we yes. all know. Like, I know for a fact there had to have been some kids out there that saw Rolling Stone and ended up yeah, being absolutely. designers. You hear stuff like that all the time. Like, it's so funny talking to graphic designers about how they got inspired to enter the design industry like, mm-hmm. it's so different and so funny um I know like the skateboard like skating culture has done a lot for a lot of other people it's like graphic t-shirts and oh, some yeah. people it's film and um for me it was kind of weird I had more of a traditional art history education but yeah I liked the more contemporary side of it and having more of a purpose behind it because it's a lot harder to have artist block when someone is telling you exactly what to do and you just get to come up with like the cool way to do it (laughs) so yeah totally it's like half the battle yes exactly I love the practical side um of art that graphic design provides and it's awesome so yeah. Also, to kind of put it in perspective, I didn't really talk about this a whole lot because she didn't talk a whole lot about race. But on mm-hmm. the list of 40 female graphic designers that my teacher provided, only four of them were African-American or black. And she was one. So wow. um, when it comes to design, there's obviously a lot more white people than black people, which is still an issue in the arts in general. And on top of that, there's more black men than black women. So it's Mm -hmm. a completely, um, it's a very, very small pool. And for her to be as like prolific and fantastic as she has with as many boundaries and things that she had to cross, it's very amazing. amazing. Yeah. Well, I am happy I know about her now. Yeah, me too. She seems like a very lovely human being. I know. And how cool that like her career is continuing and we might even get more stuff from her which has been awesome and kind of a cool thing about graphic design idols is that they continue to work yeah <laughs> like until they're dead pretty much <laughs> so uh, most of these people we've seen things continue to come forward and it's amazing totally. i hope all of you know a little bit more about graphic design and a little bit more about an awesome female graphic designer now well amazing Thank you for sharing that with us today, Stone. Of course. Happy to. And if anyone wants to talk more about graphic design, I, my DMs are open. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chat. <laughs> yeah, totally will. And of course, if you want to talk about songwriting, then Sadie has that class coming up. So yeah, come join my class or you can just DM me. We can just chat about yeah, songwriting any of the time. Either one. She's really friendly, but go join her class quite, for sure. I try, I try to be. <laughs> if I was like more musically inclined at this point in my life, I would consider it. <laughs> but I think I will well, spend I my money it. on a design book instead. <laughs> I feel like that seems like it would be more worth your time and money. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sade, but I'm supporting okay. you from afar. <laughs> well, no, of course. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you were to give us a rating, maybe leave us a review, let us know what you're liking and what you want us to continue That way, you know, we can continue to grow this podcast and share it with more and more artists, which is, of course, the goal. Definitely. Um, We obviously have a lot of passion and love for the arts and 
we're celebrating the women who are more underrated in it and we love that this gives Mm -hmm. us that opportunity to do it so as much as you can help us continue that would be great um of course like follow us on instagram and on tiktok and join our patreon um Mm -hmm. check out our book list we put that in every single episode it is amazon affiliate links I understand mm-hmm. if a lot of you don't want to purchase from Amazon, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the easiest way for us to make a little bit of proceeds off of a lot of these books about um, the people that we cover. So if you want mm-hmm. to buy a book and you're planning on buying it from Amazon anyway... Um, do it through our links. Yeah, do it through our links and help us out a little. And we love you. Yes, we do. We love all we of love you. We love you. <laughs> Even though we don't know all of you, we love all of you dearly. Thank well, you I was for like, being is that here. weird to say? And then I was like, no, because I so genuinely <laughs> love anyone who is listening to our podcast. No, really. I just know it. If I met them, I would love them. So. It's been incredible. Even the few people that have reached out, like I'm so touched mm-hmm. because obviously we believe so deeply in what we are doing, our message here, but it's nice to hear like more people reach out about what they've learned and how it's affected them and Mm -hmm. it's just wonderful to build this little community of people that are willing to celebrate um the arts and women within them well we will see you all next week talk to you next week and have a great day Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.